Welcome to the Fly Life Podcast. I'm your host, Martin Novak, and let's have a conversation with FPV. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of the podcast, and thank you for tuning in. For this week, I have Noelle on, a.k.a. Onigiri. Uh, she's an awesome female pilot. She's French but lives in Australia, and we talk about a lot of stuff, including moving to Australia, traveling around, meeting a bunch of new pilots, and uh, how her FPV journey came along. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'm going to keep this intro brief. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm pretty sick right now, and... Uh, See you guys next week. Uh, you get up at 5 a.m. most days? Yeah, I've started a new a new routine um, two weeks ago because um, before, uh, when I studied FPV and everything, I was waking up at 6. Well, no, I was starting work at 6.30, something like this, so I would wake up at 5.30, but then I would finish at like three in the afternoon. So then I would have like a whole new day to do like FPV and um, I like running. So I would run after work and everything like that. And then we went on this big um, road trip and, and we, I, it was FPV all the time and, and YouTube all the time. And it was super cool. And then we came back to Melbourne to work again. <laughs> so uh, it's, it was completely different hours, work, working hours. Now I work like basically from 9.30 to 5, 6, something like this. So when, it, when you come back from work, you, you can't do anything. So I was like, okay, I need to find some. And now I wake up at five. I do all my YouTube, social media, stuff like that before work. <laughs> and it's good. Also, I'm learning photography, so I try to do that before work as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel <laughs> I like getting – I mean, you, I, I can get more stuff done in like the first three hours of the day than I can the rest of the day for some reason. Like there's such a good feeling with being awake when it's like still dark, the world's asleep. You can just get everything done. No one's going to message you. You know, you can yeah. just crush. Yeah. Yes, it's it's perfect. Um, well, no one's gonna message you. It depends because. Oh yeah, the whole <laughs> world many is well. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In Australia, it doesn't work like that. All the the American people, they already speak to you, but that's okay. It's, it's yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, and uh, what do you what do you do for work? So I work in a hobby store now. That's awesome. That's what I <laughs> so, that's what I figured because I saw some of your posts. So I used to in France. I have an engineer um, degree, okay. and uh, I I left France straight after that because I, you know, a lot of studies and, and things like that. And I wasn't too sure I would enjoy working in this field straight away. Then I came to Australia, did lots of you know backpackers jobs, so uh, outside, inside, for pe- working for people and and things like that. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to go back to engineering stuff. Then discovered photography, video, then FPV, then everything. So when I finally came back to Melbourne, I didn't look at all in the engineering field. And and then uh, someone said, oh, um, uh, there's a hobby store who wants to find uh, some FPV uh, person to help them. And actually, it was not true. Uh, well, they told me, oh, it's Hearns Hobbies in Melbourne. So that's a very famous hobby store, let's say, in Melbourne area. It's like 60 years old, something like this. 
And and so someone told me, yeah, it's hands hobbies. They look for, they are looking for someone, and it was not true actually. The person had wrong information. Oh no! But I still applied. Uh, I went there and I said, hey, do you want uh, do you want me as an FPV person? And the manager didn't tell me at all that they were not looking for someone. So we met both like confident in our thing, and then it worked out because I don't know, as as human being, we 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 clicked, and. And yeah, that's how it started. I mean, that's got to be such yeah. a cool job, though. Like working. I mean, that's especially if you're into RC hobbies. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm not like into planes and cars as heavily as I am into FPV, but I still think they're super cool. Uh, yes, it's super cool to learn about. Um, especially, I really like helis. Uh, I've always been impressed by people flying these things. It's so Jedis. dangerous and yeah. so beautiful. It's it's crazy. And RC cars, it's super fun. Um, so, so yeah, it's good to learn about all these things. And you know, having physically uh, FPV like stall behind you when you have a cabinet with like all the FPV cameras and the stuff like that. Every time people come in person and they're into FPV, they're like, "Oh, that's so cool! We can touch the things." Yeah, you can, yeah, we're so used to the internet buys. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So when there's a new product, I, I usually have people coming to 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 have it in their hands first and 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 be able to touch it before buying it or you know just seeing it. So it's it's a cool job. It's still you know retail job, so it has downsides, but but mainly because it's it's a hobby shop. People come there to 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 be happy. So it's not like um, selling I don't know kitchen or yeah or like life <laughs> you know, insurance. Kind of <laughs> yes. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. And how did you you were from you're from Alsace, France? Region? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like do you know there? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've taken a couple trains through there on my way, like between Frankfurt and Paris and stuff. So, like, ah. I've never hung out there, but I know exactly where it is, and I've been through the area. Uh, what made you choose oh, yeah. Australia of all places? Like, that's the total other side of the world. <laughs> so, with Kevin, it's funny because when we took the decision, we were going to travel, and you met we, him back know. home. Or like back yeah, in France, I right? met him at, at uni. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So I, I met him uh, at uni during my last year, actually, of uni, um, and and we we were already living together <laughs> at that time. We, we we moved in together really fast, <laughs> and um, we we were a bit tired. I had like a an internship that were that was a bit like. Uh, oops, sorry. You told me silent for that. Yeah, you're good. Um, <laughs> um, an, an internship that was a bit bad. The company I was working for was a bit, you know, not going well. And and he, on his side, he was a bit, like, tired also of engineering. So we thought about probably, I don't re- we don't really remember exactly. That's weird, both of us. But I think we thought, oh, you know what, let's take um, a year off after the studies. I think that's how it started. And then we just looked at where it was the easiest way to migrate, basically. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, and and it had to be English-speaking countries. So we could go at that time. We could have gone to the UK, Canada, um, South Africa, and Australia. But South Africa, it was complicated. They had like I think I think at that time you, not everyone would would be accepted. Same yeah. with Canada. Then UK for us, it was like, it's cool, but it's very close to France. So let's go to Australia. And also after a lot of research, uh, there was New Zealand as well. So after more research, we found that New Zealand was part of the program, which is called Working Holiday Visa as well. 
And uh, then we just looked at the cost of living and how much people would earn as backpackers. And apparently in Australia it was a bit easier when you arrive and you have nothing because we sold everything in France to, to be able to do that. Apparently Australia is a little bit easier than New Zealand, so that's what made the difference. Yeah, that's a good call researching like cost of living and everything. Not just showing up yeah. being like, we can't find a job and can't afford this. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. And and also because that internship that I was doing at that time was so – it was interesting because it was developing a product. But, but still, like I finished early, so probably the last two months of my internship, half of the day at work, I would research Australia and all the tips for backpackers and for the vans, like how to build your own van. Yeah. <laughs> and when my manager would come, I would just change the page quickly. <laughs> I know. I'm working. It's fine. <laughs> Did you yes. uh, uh, did you fly FPV like before you moved, or did you find that after you got to Australia? Um, so I was flying um, little helicopters, but just the hovering one, not the 3D ones. Uh, Kevin had one, and then he bought me a drone, um, which was not FPV at all. It was like it was flying great for what it was. It was a not sure it was Inductrix, but the the model was called Ladybird. So it's like a little ladybird. <laughs> yeah, like a little tiny with, thing. With, yes, with propellers. And to be honest, well, I, I can't really tell because it was not FPV. But by the sound of it and the memory I have of it, it was flying quite smooth, not like all full of vibrations and things like this. So I had an alternative radio uh, that Kevin had for flying his heli. And and at the same time, he was building his first giant FPV drone that would like fly super slow and no camera angle. And and I was I, I couldn't see the point. I, I was having fun because this thing was like so big and and weird. And and then we would just watch the footage, so boring, you know, and full of vibrations. And, and I was I, I couldn't see the point at that time. I was like, oh, it's fun, but but you know the. Yeah, that's, not, I, mean, that's how I, I didn't have like that moment where I was like, I need that in my life. You yeah, know, that yeah. Because I started with like the teeny little drone, and it was super fun. But it wasn't until I saw like a Sharpoo video that I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Made this Tommy video in uh, Hawaii um, when they went to Hawaii. I think Tommy did an edit along with the, the official Roto Riot one. And he's just that um, I remember going in, in the room where Kevin was watching this. Well, he told me, oh, you should come and watch. And um, right at almost in like th- within 30 seconds, he goes through a gap. Then he punch out and then he dives a uh, waterfall. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can see the point now. <laughs> yeah. Was it that one with the gap like through the railing of that hut that just looked way too small? Yes. Yeah, yes. I remember and, that video too, and, and I was like, "There's no way a vortex is gonna fit in there." <laughs> yes, and at that time with like the tune and everything, it was well, good job, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. That's yeah. so rad. It's rad that you guys got into it, like you and Kevin got into it together too. You yeah, know, but that's well, a cool thing to share. Yeah. Yes, 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 it, it is. Um, it is. And, and I didn't start straight away. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that's cool. And that's when I started um, watching Kevin doing it. And uh, that was probably in like September 2015, something like this. And and then I was following him everywhere. And because we were watching Rotorio together and stuff like that, I was like, oh, we're going to vlog, we're going to do things. So I was recording him. And then it became slowly the other way around, and then we were both in the YouTube channel, and yeah, that was super cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel that was, I mean, 
is that like what made you decide to run with it? Because I feel like I knew who you were as a pilot, but then like your stream of content became proper. You know, it was like different kinds of videos, flight videos, talking to the camera. You know, like what made you yeah. decide to just be like, I just want to FPV now or like take this a lot more <gasps> seriously, I guess. Well, yeah. So what, what happened is... Um, just before Kevin was really serious into FPV, I started editing videos with music because I always wanted to, there was, I love music that much that when I hear some songs, sometimes I have like videos in my head that I could do. I totally know <laughs> so that, yeah. I, <laughs> okay, that's good then. Yeah. So I, I was, um, I did a video clip for a song I really, really liked. I showed Kevin, I showed his dad, who's a bit of an artist, and he said, oh, it's super cool. And at that time on YouTube, it did like fairly, like some views, and I was like, wow, that's super cool, you know? And at the same time, Kevin was getting more and more in FPV, um, and then we did our first road trip. Uh, around Australia, like a big, big one. And I had just built my quad to, you know, because he was planning to meet all these people all around Australia to, to fly because they, he found them on Facebook. I said, I'm not going to just stand there and not fly, so I'm going to learn. So I had my little FPV screen. I was ready. We did all the road trip. And at the same time, I was like, well, it's good to fly, but because I like music and video so much, we just should, you know, we should do it. We just should combine. And because we started FPV by meeting people, not really just learning how to fly, it was very, like, linked to FPV with people. Yeah. This is probably why my first videos, they are, like, a lot focused on all the people we met and their flying as well. And and because my flying was not that interesting to watch at that time, I was like, it's good. <laughs> it's good if, if we can mix the show different levels and different styles and... Yeah, I think it yeah, paid I off because it. I think that was a big part or is a big part of your channel. It was like you guys were willing to drive around and meet all these people, which definitely takes effort. But then like a lot of these – like you, Australia is a pretty popping place for FPV pilots. Like you've got some big names that are really, really good at flying. And when you were like starting yes. out, you know, if someone sees on a video like flying with snake FPV or something, they're like 10 times more likely to click on it if they don't know who you are. And because of your trip and meeting everybody, it was like guilty through association, yes. you know. Yes, yes, it really helped. It really helped traveling so much. And and it was not something we did um, to make views of for YouTube. It's really something we wanted to do, meeting like Chad Nowak and, and all these people and to, for Thomas Bitmatter, uh for racing, uh, Michael Webb for, you know, he was in the DRL and he's a very well-known freestyle yeah. pilot here in Australia at least. All these people, Vec, because at that time FPV life was so big. At I, least remember, I watched it all, yeah. Yeah, so so then, yeah, meeting all these people in Australia, going to the nationals, meeting more good pilots, it was good. And I was like, I need memories. I need to remember that I met these people. So so I made, I made videos. Yeah. Did you and, – and I think, you know, meeting people like that makes you want to be a better pilot or, like, try harder at whatever. Because, like, if I, you know, like, flew with some of these people, like, Final Glide and stuff, especially, like, a year – like uh, over a year ago, I would have been, you know, like awestruck with like, how did you do that? Yeah. What's your tune like? You know, all the questions. Yes. yes. Yeah, all the questions. And and they're always happy to answer. The, the FPV community is super cool. Um, I think it's one of the best community. Every time I say that, I don't know if it's biased or not, but it's a super, super cool community. People are willing to help. Um, there was a phase 
where people were more like about drama and putting people down online, but I think it's gone now. I'm not really online anymore, like on Facebook, but I think people are more willing to help nowadays. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I think the drama will always be there, and I, like, I see it on Facebook and stuff like that, but for every actual interaction I have directly with a person, it's always awesome. Like, yeah, there's the crappy comments out there, but like, if I've ever actually asked someone something, they haven't been like, screw you. Or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> True. Oh, you should yes, fly beta exactly. flight. Why do you fly that garbage, that flight, you know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no one says that in real life. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, and that, that should be a rule of the internet. If you wouldn't say it in real life, just don't say it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, you know what, I, I used to say that, but I've seen so many good things written on YouTube, uh, sorry, internet or said in YouTube, that I'm like, ah, oh, maybe these people... They have more courage as well to say good things on the internet than they would do it um, in real life, or they wouldn't have the, you know, enough. Um, uh, how, how can I say that? The, the, the fact of you can yeah. reach, yes, and you can reach more people yep. online as well than in real life. So, yeah. yeah that being said, I do wish Facebook had a dislike button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah. Yeah, like YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, and if, if it gets many, many dislike, it just disappear from internet. <laughs> that would be super cool. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. What What year did you take the Australia road trip? Uh so um, you mean which like the, the, one? The, the uh, big one. You were just, one. The first one. What year was that? Oh, that that one. Um, so the first FPV road trip one was two thousand and. Uh, 15 and 16 like it was between yeah the end of 15 and start of 16 yes that's crazy yes and then so you guys like how do you just dip out of work for that long because you go on like many road trips don't you yes so um so what happened is we were working in a school in a in a remote community in the desert so when we say remote i'm sorry i'm going to speak in kilometers i don't know miles yeah, but you're fine. it's uh <laughs> it's 900 kilometers from uh, the biggest airport and with um, a city basically um and then it's 600 kilometers from <clears throat> the, the closest actual town city and then it's just a desert. And there was another community, <laughs> another community, maybe a hundred case from us. And then it was us. And where, where I was living, there were only like 900 people maximum, but usually we were 400 people. And so there's nothing to do. You save a lot of money. Um, yeah, basically you don't go out. Um, if you, if you want to shop, you're online. Um, uh, and that's it. And, and so we were working for the school. So per year, we, we had like 12 weeks of holiday wow. because, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, okay. and because we were, we were living so remote, um, they, they would, there were a lot of advantages, you know, because they can't keep people, especially the job we were doing. Uh, we were cleaners and cook and handyman. Not really many people want to do that in the desert because they're like, it's yeah. boring. It's boring in every aspect, you know. But we didn't find it that boring. It was actually, you know, fun in a way. It was different. So, so th- this is why we had so much holiday time all the time during two and a half years. So it means in two and, and a half years, we basically were on holiday for 26 weeks. Yeah, so. I need to l- take a new look at my career then. 
<laughs> what what do you do actually? I saw the other day you have like a music background and things. Yeah, like that. so I, I like I went to school for music and industrial design, but now I work for a commercial UAV company doing like sales and marketing, and then some piloting. So I just like oh, that's, fly that's around good. and fly big. It's an airplane. It's not a multi rotor. It's a fixed wing. Yep. But yeah, yep. so I just nice. work in the commercial UAV world. I used to. I spent most of my early life cooking. Like I was a co-owner of, oh. of a restaurant up until like less than a year ago. Oh, okay. So that cool. was huge. And then I, like the last two years of that, started getting into commercial UAVs. And I started building them, which is it, like it's just a giant RC plane with a really smart computer. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Super cool. How big is it? Uh, the, the ones I started on were 10-foot wingspan, so three meters, just over three meters. And uh, the ones mm -hmm. now are two meters Okay. Yeah. Yep. But it'll, yep. yeah, yeah, it's like hand launch. It's super, it's like if DJI made a fixed wing aircraft, that's how easy it is to use. And it's like, you know, piloting a Phantom is like mowing the lawn in the sky. It's so easy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you think it's going to get smaller and smaller or like two meters is the, the perfect size? I, I think two, two meters is the sweet spot if you're trying to create aerial maps or like do surveying and you're just carrying like a Sony camera or something. But I think if you want yep. to be carrying, like, LiDAR or magnetometers or, like, some kind of big scientific payload, you need something bigger. And bigger, the smaller yeah. you go, you deal with a lot of electromagnetic noise. So if you have, like, a mm. LiDAR sensor on the front of the plane that's really sensitive, it's easier if you have a bigger plane and you can put all the electronics further away from it. Ah, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think we'll have any drones from Amazon in the near future. I'll say that. These things still fall out of the sky all the time. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's sweet though that you got like 12 weeks off and it's cool that you ended up in Australia cuz you know you would have wouldn't have known it but it turned out to be a really good place for, to be for FPV. Like you can see a lot of things without but like by just driving around. Give it's going to be a long drive, but you know. Yes. Yeah, it's a good place. People the police like, you know, they're not harassing us when they see us like I could see in the US for example it was okay in the US every time they just came to check what we were doing and and then when you explained it just leave you alone but here in Australia they they don't even bother yeah they're like <laughs> so. yeah, yeah seriously what are the what are the drone laws in Australia um, I think it's officially it's like in America, so I can't uh, fly next to someone, you know, I can't fly in a park, it would be illegal probably. I can't fly above 25 milliwatts with my video transmitter. Um, we all know how that goes. And all these kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and that's, that's these kind of things, you know, probably the same as, as yeah, in America. Yeah, it's pretty similar. It's not a, a bit more strict. Well, it's getting more and more strict. Um, we have sometimes where, where I fly, we we can have like a a van of the equivalent of um, what is it for you? Uh, the MAA uh, FAA. for the FAA. Yeah. Well, the equivalent here is it's called CASA, and they they come and and apparently I don't know if it's like you know a myth or, or something like that, but they check if you're on 25 milliwatt or not. I don't know if it's like, you know, in high school when you hear these crazy stories. <laughs> so apparently there's yeah. a van like coming and checking if you're on the cause of Boogeyman's going to come get you. <laughs> it's the, yes. Yeah, we just, it's, need, it's, we just need switches on our Tyrannus know. that could smart audio flip it to 25 milliwatts yeah. real quick. Just 
Well, me, I can't change like that, but Kevin and my roommate and another friend, they have the Wolf PDB uh-huh. uh, on the setup. And, and it's um, if they land next to them, it's 25. It's only when they go away oh, that like it's it turns adaptive. Up. Yeah. So if they want to check if Kevin lands next to him, it's 25 milliwatts. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good call. Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering, yes. like, people, you know, always say, like, the FAA here in America is cracking down, and I'm like, I've never seen an FAA cop, you know, like, uh, I've never seen, yeah, like, an FAA yeah. police officer, and like you said, most cops here, like, they'll just ask what you're doing, and they might ask you to leave, but they'd have to fill out so much paperwork to turn you over to the FAA that I don't think, unless you're, like, diving over people at a parade, that they're really gonna <laughs> <laughs> let <Yes>. go. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, if you do really illegal stuff, you have to be fast. I don't know, yeah, but it's not like, you know, even if, let's say, you're diving building in the center of the city, not not many people notice, well, depends, depends which building, but the not obvious buildings, you know, once your quad is so up in the air and it's just falling from the sky, it doesn't make any noise, and you have all these people busy working anyway. Yeah, you, cars driving around, it's like... So much other yeah. noise. <laughs> yes, no one noticed, and and well, we we picked buildings um, wisely when we did that with my friends. Not not the one that you have like the big like four main roads of the city going next to. You know, we we took ones that were a bit on the side of the city, but still decent buildings. But yeah, so I, I took this example because that's the biggest thing that's very very not legal to do, but. You know, we, we 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 always rushed, but I don't think anyone would have shown up anyway. And it was not dangerous. Uh, we were very, very careful when doing it. We tested our quads before on an oval. We 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 did it, like, properly. But it's like everything. I understand why, why everyone freaks out about this, because, let's say, if someone gets in their hobby and after a month they're going to be like, I'm going to dive a building and, you know. Yeah, that's – to, to me, it's so much like driving a car or, like, specifically speeding – Right, like you can yeah. speed out in the country if you know the road and you know where the cops sit, and nothing's ever going to happen. But if you're driving like an idiot through the city, then you're probably going to get caught. Yes, yes. Yeah. Don't <laughs> exactly. be an idiot. So, so Australia is good for that, like you said. Even for for places we we don't really, it's hard to to to. How can I say that? To annoy people, you just don't go really to the touristic, very touristic place. Like you couldn't fly at the Sydney Opera. Or yeah, <laughs> even though that we would did, be that would be a mentioned. real steady clip for the century. <laughs> we have well, no, I don't know if I can say that. I won't give names or anything like that. But we have a friend who did half a lipo uh, above the, <laughs> the Opera. Dude, I would do that from like out in, in a boat on the water somewhere, and just you know, so yeah, no yeah. one could even get to me, and then just gone. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he did it. He showed us, and then uh, a security person found him. So they were like, "You have to leave." Okay. Like, All right. <laughs> cool. Left. That's fine. I got what I wanted. <laughs> yes. But again, security in Australia—they're they're pretty cool. I remember last Christmas we went in the city with Snake, and we we dived a, a hotel that was pretty cool, and and one of his friends crashed. You know, on the balcony of the hotel. Not good. <laughs> and we have the, we have the security guy coming and we're like, oh no. Even, even Justin, uh, was like, oh no. And, and the guy come and he said, so we were ready to, to, you know, to be uh, annoyed. And, and, and the guy come and said, um, oh, I saw your drone is crashed. Do you want me to get it for you? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> so he went up there, came back with the drone, and we had packed up. We, we were like, yeah, let's pack up just, you know, in case to be respectful. And uh, But that's still funny that he came and was like, oh, so it crashed. Do you want it? <laughs> He's probably like, yeah. this is the coolest sure. thing that's happened at my job in the last, like, four weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so, super cool. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. So, so you, how many of these Australia road trips have you taken now? So we did two two big ones. So the first one was not FPV at all. It was um, four months, five months after we first came to Australia. So when we arrived, we 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 took a month and a half to find some no more than that two two months to find some job. We worked for like four months and then we did a road trip of uh, four other months, something like this. And this one took us. I don't know if you're familiar with the geography of Australia, yeah. But we were on the western coast, so okay. we we landed in Perth when we first arrived. And then uh, we worked there for these six months, four months. And and then the road trip we did was just following the West Coast and go up north to Darwin in the Northern Territory. And then we spent two, uh, two more weeks in Bali because from Darwin to Bali, you just have an hour and a half uh, flight. And then in, it's super cheap. You can go to Bali for like uh, $100 each. Yeah, that's super cheap. Yeah. So, so that's what we did. So that was the first big road trip, and then second road trip we did a bigger one because we we and it, it was a shorter period of time, only six weeks instead of um, two months. And oh no, and only we, six weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> like, we get two weeks vacation here in America. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not saying that the first time we we took. We took so long to do just Perth Darwin, which is basically like doing Paris Moscow. So I don't remember how many kilometers, but that's what we thought. So it's probably crossing America, I suppose. And yeah, it took like I think that. Months. Yeah, which is it's a good point to bring up because, like, being from Europe, you know, like Europe doesn't really have big open spaces. It's like you can always see the next town or the next village or the next farm. And I feel like Australia, yeah. like America, is one of those places where you can just have nothingness. For hundreds of miles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nothingness. That's the good, yeah, good description. <laughs> it's just all sky, you know, like everything is the sky. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really disappointed we didn't get to do that in the U.S. Um, I always wanted to go to the U.S. And then FPV happened, and and we went to the U.S. for FPV purpose. So we didn't visit anything. We didn't take time to do a road trip, a proper road trip, like. Through the center of the U.S., that would have been awesome. Probably next time we'll do that. We'll, yeah. we'll come back in. How in long four were you here years. for? Um, I think we were we we were planning to be six weeks in the U.S. and we ended up staying eight weeks. Dang, that's a nice trip too. Yeah, yeah. but only because we stayed two full weeks in Cali in San Diego uh, with newbie drone people. That's the only reason why we added two weeks, and they were still at, uh, still at, at that moment in Konasti, and we were doing these ethics things together. So um, that's why we stayed a bit longer. But yeah, we 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 arrived in Atlanta. Uh, no, sorry, we, in New York. Then we went to Atlanta, then Florida. Only doing this. Well, we, it's good because we, we were used to it in Australia. But just driving from from New York, well, up to Connecticut, and then down to Florida, that took us like. Two good weeks, something like this. Yeah, that's a big chunk, too. Good. 
And in terms of like, I mean, obviously you were here for FPV, but like going to like Florida and Georgia and California, you're like hitting up some of the yeah. the greatest spots. I think for me, Georgia would probably take the cake just because that's where everybody's from. That I re- that really got me into the hobby. Yeah. Yes. And and all these spots that you finally end up seeing in your life, you're like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm at this like abandoned <laughs> hotel in Atlanta. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so stupid. Oh, the stables, you know, like, uh, they call that the stables because they, it's like where they put horses, but it's always empty. So I don't know if it's abandoned something. Stingy goes there all the time. It's just, you know, stables. And you're like, I can't believe I'm here. And you're like, ha- you know, halfway across the world, so far from home, just hanging out with yes. a Tyrannus in your hands. It's, it's like a full circle moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it was super cool. And so the only touristic things we did, uh, we took one day to visit New York. We, I really insisted. I told Kevin, one day we visit New York. And then um, uh, later in California, I really wanted to visit San Francisco. So we visited a bit San Francisco. San Francisco but is the only awesome. Thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I was just there for the yeah. first time this summer, and I was super into it. It was great. A little too yeah. windy for flying all the time, though. Pretty windy by the ocean. Yeah, we we didn't fly uh, in San Francisco. We flew with Zoe uh, near San Francisco because she lives – I forgot where she lives exactly. And then we met Zoro FPV there as well. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> it was super cool, yeah. And did you guys, yeah. like, stay in hotels or, like, in the car, or did you just, like, stay with other FPV people? Um, we stayed with some FPV people, like we stayed at, uh, Bot Grinders Place, um, uh, the guys from Get FPV when we were in Florida, we stayed, uh, at a friend of Vortex Place, um, Chris Smith, I forgot his FPV name actually, in Detroit, um, so what we had, we, we had the support of Armaton for this, because uh, uh, Chris really wanted to support our road trip. He said, uh, you can give coupon codes to anyone you want, but basically if you're staying at someone's place for a couple of nights, it's good if you can give them coupon, Armaton coupon codes. So, so people would have let us stay at their place anyway. I'm not saying they did that for for the coupon code, but still, it was nice. We didn't tell them, uh, and then after, when we were leaving, we we're like, "Oh, by the way, you can use that." And we didn't feel like abusing people. Yeah, like you give. It's something. the principle, I think. That like I when I did yeah. my road trip out to California, I just had a box of t-shirts, of Fly Life t-shirts in the yeah. back, and everybody I stayed with would get t-shirts and stickers. You know. Yes. And everybody, I told them, I know it's far, Australia, but if one day you come, you're welcome at our place. So I hope they will come back and we can, you know, have them at our place as well. Yeah, I think that'd be super cool. Like, Brandy and I have had a roommate the whole time we've been together, but he's moving out in November. So now we're going to have a guest room in our house. And I want to be like, we got to invite FPV people to come, like, fly in Colorado for, like, a weekend or something and actually have a place oh, for them to stay. Yeah. Get, yeah. The, get, like, the yeah. FPV... Uh, Airbnb between FPV pilots set up. We would have loved to meet you guys. Um, me, because I, I mainly know uh, your, your girlfriend and Kevin knows you more than your girlfriend. Yeah. And and I looked where Colorado was. I was like, ah, it's doable. It's but like the farthest from every place you went. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And But we really wanted, because you guys fly so cool, such cool places, and, and I don't know, I feel like you're a bit like us, you're sharing the hobby, I've, I feel close to um, to your girlfriend in a certain way, like she actually Yeah, girls represent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, let's so. talk about that. Like, you're a girl in FPV that flies all the time and, like, you know, just lives the lifestyle. And do you do you have any, like, bitterness towards, like, the, the – I don't think it's actually happening as much. But, like, 2017 was the year of, like, girls just picture, posting pictures with quads and never posting flight footage. Like, obviously not yeah. you or, like, Brandy – and like Zoe and a, and a couple others, but like every day I would go on Instagram and be like, "Hey, Brandy, there's another one." Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's exactly the feeling. I I think you know you have to to analyze this as a normal social problem, even in in general life. Picture, uh, girls take pictures of themselves a lot more because that's what society want them to do. You know, they they want to be able to. Rate, rate them, rank them, like, she's very pretty, she's not that pretty, she could be pretty, but, you know, <laughs> usually that's what you do, yeah. you judge girls on, on their physical appearance, so everyone wants approval, and because it's normal in society in general, I think that's why it's normal in FPV as well, that's why you see more selfies by girls, and of course, because it's mainly a male community, then they get more likes and things like that, so that's what happened. I don't know if it's bad or if it's good, um, but I just think that if guys criticize this, they don't realize that anyway. How can I say that? Um, what what they criticize is not relevant anyway because um, uh, I don't know how to explain. <laughs> if if they don't really fly, which I doubt, because all the girls that I actually met in real life actually put efforts in, into what they do. Yeah, but I would agree. The, well, it's easy the, to tell the, the if they actually fly, right? Yes. Yeah. And 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 then you get the love from your selfie and not from your skills. You you can't judge that. It's it's just you know something different. If you want to be appreciated because you have a pretty face and you hold a drone, well. You get it, and you're happy, and good on you, but then if you want to be appreciated for something else, then you put the effort into it. And, and, and actually, I can't really criticize myself, because I had, I think my YouTube channel grew very fast, because I, I was, Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Like and when I, was, I first met Brandy, she'd be yeah. like, "I got 200 new followers today." I was like, "I made 50 <laughs> posts and got 30." What the hell? Like, <laughs> See, yeah. yes. So um, this is why I don't criticize anything because, in a way, being female helped me a lot. Like mainly, it's probably 90 percent the reason why it started so well. I got noticed and blah blah blah. But and and then I, I tried to make some content, but the first reason I got noticed was. Mainly because I was female pilot. Yeah. So. That's awesome, yeah. though. You know, like, and, and, <laughs> well, and it was in a good time. Like, you weren't, you didn't come into this hobby late. Like, you've been doing it since, like, most of us have. You, like, you kind of watched it grow and change and yeah. whatever, whatever yeah. it is today. Yeah. Yes. And I, like, I don't, I, I can't knock anybody taking Instagram pictures. Like, A, it's Instagram. You don't have to look at it. Like, it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, the only yeah. thing that makes me chuckle is when, you know, like, guy or girl, this can be any gender, is like, these are like, you know, the greatest motors I've ever tried. And then you look at their page and there's like four other flying videos and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> 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 yes, everyone does it. But, yeah. you know, people get excited. And, yeah. I don't know. In, the internet, best flight internet. ever, Bando Rip. <laughs> Like, <laughs> hashtag, 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 hashtag. But I think for the most part, the community is like really leveled out. Like you were saying, it's pretty much all positive. 
Yes, definitely. It's positive. Um, people try to help each other. Um, and people are, are, are still, I think, they, they don't think they're more than they are. You know, you always hear, oh, for, as a joke, you know, you know this meme when you're like, uh, what my friends think I do, what yeah, my mom yeah. think I do. So usually what I think I do, what I think I do is like, um, jet pilot and then what I actually do and then it's, it looks stupid, you know, with your goggles and yeah, you just crash. playing with toys in a field. Yes, and I think many people are still aware of that. They don't think they're better than than what what we do. You know, like we we are just nerds with goggles and and little quads. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Jordan Temkin's not cocky, then we don't deserve to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if any good pilot, yeah, all the good pilots, uh, even in racing. So I'm slowly getting in racing here in Melbourne. I'm, I'm meeting like cool pilot from here as well um, that I didn't know that much before but just, you know, met once or twice. And all these guys, you know, they travel the world, they win competitions and and they're just, you know, joking about everything with us and super cool. I love this community. It's it's super cool. It's super rad. I I mean, like if this community, if this spobby, as we're calling it, gets big enough, you know, like that'll change. Like there'll still be like the cool people but right now, like, Everybody still kind of knows everybody. Like once, you know, like yeah. if you're in the circle of people or like YouTubers and like you know the people, you could like – they're like, oh, yeah, Provo said this and I was talking to so-and-so, you know, and like Snake was over here doing that. And it's still yeah. like a very yes. grassroots, super cool community. Yes. Maybe that's what makes it cool too is because we're – it's still a restricted community where we're – well, I, I always try to guess how many people are in the community by looking at Rotoriot channel and Steel because they have, like, you know, the most subscribers. Um, and, and it's only, like, what? I think he, he just reached uh, 200, 200, two, um, how do you say that? 200,000? 200, yeah, 200,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, I struggled. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not, it's all around the world, you know? And some people are not there just for FPV. They're there because he built a van and something like this. So. Yeah, he's got a Subaru. I'm like, yeah, so I just, just uh, I'm like, okay, so it's online community. It's 200,000 people potentially interested in FPV. Um, because you have to, you know, to, to watch Steel's video. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a bit, like, <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> so you really have to, like, SPV. <laughs> Not as overwhelming as Josh Bardwell's master class on PID tuning. It's, like, se- <laughs> 17, 15-minute <15 minute> videos. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but you're going to learn something today. You are going to learn something. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always tried to quantify how many people are in it. And my guess was, like, between 150 and 250,000 around the world. Yeah. But I would say only yes. maybe, like... 20,000 of that is, like, people that are, like, at work thinking about FPV when they get off, you know? Like, there's a lot of people yeah. that, like, fly here and there, or, like, they have some ready to fly that sometimes they take out. It's not people that are, like, I want to do inverted yeah. yaw spins, and I want to find a bando, <laughs> and, like... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 It's a cool community. Yeah, I agree. I'm surprised with the um, uh, micro-drone community, actually. I was not very familiar with that because, anyway, in the desert, I was not familiar with any, any kind of community. But um, here in Melbourne, so many people are are getting into micro-drones, and I can see why because, you know... Are we talking like tiny whatever, whatever, micro? 
Yeah, yeah, really the, the yeah tiny whoop size. So either one with an actual carbon frame or, or the ones with like you know the yeah. plastic frame like acrobies or, or tiny whoop. Um, yeah, more and more people are actually interested in these little things, and I understand that it's probably you can fly whenever you want basically with that because you can fly at home, you can fly in car parks, you can fly. It's pretty cool, and and I didn't know that many people were passionate about. Tiny, tiny drones. <laughs> oh, yeah. I live like 20 minutes from Tiny Whoop headquarters. It's like a huge thing over here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. We have, like, oh, yeah. We have races at bars Colorado. and whatnot. Yeah. So we have like local oh. events. And I've, uh, I'll be going to the Tiny Whoop Invitational in January. I just got my invite, but it'll be my first race ever will be a Tiny Whoop race. And it's against like Jordan Temkin, Provo, like all these, you know – like super good yeah. guys i'm like jesus christ <laughs> i gotta well, go to jesse know, and be science. like what, what's the fastest one <laughs> give me that one <laughs> give me it's the red one always the red one <laughs> yeah what, what's your guys's year-round weather like like what's the coldest it gets and what's the hottest it gets Oh, um, so australia is is a country which um has two type of uh climate mainly if you want to summarize. If you are in the northern part, so you, you, you basically cut Australia in half, like where Sydney is, you can, yeah. you can cut it. Sydney still gets four seasons, and then above Sydney it starts being more like two seasons. So four seasons are the usual one, like spring, autumn, yeah. winter, summer. It's just uh, oppose, um, the opposite of you guys, so right. we're going towards summer now. But then uh, the northern part is only... Basically, there's wet and dry season, like in, you know, Asia, some some countries of Asia. So in the northern part, the coldest it can get usually, let's say, 15, 16 degrees Celsius. Okay. So Fahrenheit, it's probably Fahrenheit. I'm not too sure. Uh, 15, 16, that's like in the 50s, I think, like high 40s. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Yes. And then the hottest, it's 42 Celsius. So that's probably 100 110 or something. Yeah, 105. Yeah, Yeah, 110. So it's it's a lot warm. Yeah, it's pretty warm. Yeah. And because the humidity, you feel it even more, you know. It's a blanket. And then the coldest... (laughs) <laughs> yes, and then called this place uh, in Perth, Adelaide is the, oh, well, we have Tasmania as well. It can snow in Tasmania, so I guess zero Celsius. Yeah, I guess that is pretty far close, like down towards the, like away from the equator, Tasmania. Yes, yeah. Tasmania has probably the same climate as, um, I would say, north of France or okay. uh, Belgium, yeah. so New York or something like this. I try to think I'm really bad with the U.S. geography, even though I went there. Uh, yeah, Tasmania is, yeah, but because it's like an island with the ocean, you know, it, 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 um, it's a bit different, the climate, because yeah. the ocean change, changes how it is. But, yeah, here in Melbourne, it can be zero degrees if you go, yeah, if you go a bit out of the cities, because it's always warmer in the cities because yeah. of the activity. Yeah, zero. So it hasn't snowed in Melbourne for ages, but but it can snow uh, in the mountain near Melbourne. Um, Crazy. Which are not like big, big mountains. So, yeah, it, there was still snow like two or three weeks ago here. And we are in springtime. So. Yeah, that's so crazy that you're yeah. going into summer. That's so awesome. Like, I'm already missing <laughs> oh, summer. Yeah. All, like, all our leaves left, like, two days ago because it was super windy. So we're officially in, like, fall, winter now. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, but fold is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, fall's beautiful. And then, like, flying in the mountains when they're covered in snow, you don't you, – you can just turn and it looks epic. So that's always fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do just – Yeah. Like, speed wow. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. it's so cold. Like, it's uh, – let me see how the coldest it was last year we flew. Yeah, tell me how cold it is because – I had two winters in a row uh, when we did our big uh, trip because we went to France when it was winter and then same in the US and then we came back to Australia it was the start of winter so <laughs> but I feel like I can't complain much Yeah it's <laughs> so cold. yeah it, it get like we last year the coldest we flew it was negative 20 Celsius <gasps> How can you fly in that condition <laughs> <laughs> You just leave the car on and then you fly your two-minute pack, get back in the car, and just sit there for five minutes, put your next battery on the heater and warm it up, and then strap wow. it in, and then just stand outside the car. But it's not as bad as it sounds because in Colorado, the roads run at the bottom of the mountain, so you can just park your car and get out and fly this massive mountain, like, leaning up against your car, and then just hop right back in, you know? Like, don't crash. Please don't crash. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Did you ever crash? Uh, knock on wood, not in the winter, no. But I fly oh, differently. Good. Like, I don't, you know, I like, I fly eight tenths. I don't do anything stupid. And in the winter, I don't go do, like, park sessions where I'm just going to be breaking props. It's like, I'm going to go fly three packs down this massive mountain and, like, cruise it and not try to, like, invert through this gap a mile away. <laughs> Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. Nice. And and how do you prepare your quad to, to fly in these conditions? I don't do anything. 20. Yeah, I just, ah. like, I don't, conf if it's that cold, like, I've flown through snow, but it's so cold that it won't melt on your quad, you know? Like, it'll just yeah. bounce off, so that's fine. The only thing I've ever worried about is getting, like, I've gotten frost on my lens, because if it's negative 20 yeah. and my quad's going, you know, 60 mile or 100 kilometers an hour then it's probably yeah. like negative 45 on the quad with the windshield so i worry about that but i've never i've never conformal coated it or anything and like i said if it's that cold and you crash it in the snow it won't melt like you can just pull it out and unplug it and then when you take it home it'll start to melt but it's just that cold yep. if it's warm okay. and snowy that's when you have problems when it's like slushy you know, oh, you cr yeah, yeah, and you crash yeah. in that that's when you have problems but when it's that <laughs> fluffy cold just ice crystals you're totally fine Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So how how what's the hottest temperature you can get? Uh, hottest temperature, let's see how many. Hottest it gets is like 41. Uh, uh, 41 Celsius. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's Celsius. a big temperature change. That's crazy. It's it's crazy because <laughs> we have so much elevation like so like Brandy and I live at 2000 meters almost. And we live, okay. like, in the valley, like, the flat part. And then the mountains go up to 7,000 meters. Wow. So, like... All right. Yeah, and, like, the, the first mountain that's that big is, like, 30 minutes from our house. So like, from our house, you can see a mountain that goes up that high. But, you know, even though it yeah. feels like we're down low, we're still way higher. Yeah. And it's that's, not, like... It's crazy change. Yeah, and it's not yep, like in, in – yeah, you're fine. It's not like in like in Europe or like in, you know, like the Alps and stuff like that. There the mountains, they go – they don't go as high, but they're more dramatic. They start at a lower elevation and they just go straight up. Here we have like yeah. like foothills, then bigger mountains, and then the biggest. It's very staggered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you've oh, probably seen beautiful. in all of Jordan's videos. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, Colorado. Even if you tell like any French person who who doesn't know anything about geography except in France, you say Colorado, they picture exactly how it is. But we have no idea about temperature. Uh, I always thought Colorado was not that cold. <laughs> you know, I thought it was like from from minus. Something you know minus three to to then really hot, but that minus twenty that's crazy. Yeah, that's cold. But I, sh- I should have figured. <laughs> it's not that cold all the time because <clears throat> since we are so like up high in elevation, when there's when there's no clouds, the sun is really close to us, and it's a dry yeah. climate. So like if you it could be you know freezing, but if you walk out in the sun and you have a black jacket on, like you'll stay pretty warm and it'll melt the snow super yeah. quick. But yeah, it's. It's yeah, it's sweet. It's wow. really it's hard to have a well-tuned quad when you're flying up that big of an elevation. Because like at my house, I have it dialed, but then if I go up like fifteen hundred meters, you know, then I'm like, yeah. ah, I need more eye term. Yeah, I was going to ask that as well because um, we noticed with Kevin, humidity makes a big difference. Um, when we were flying uh, uh, in. Um, California, it was quite dry when we were there at that time. And then we flew two days later, well, three days later in Bali where the humidity was like really strong. And our quad were full of vibrations, um, at least for the first three flights. And then with KISS, you have adaptive filters. So then it just gets, you don't have to retune, which is good. <laughs> but with temperature, you probably need to. Yeah, uh, temperature, like I, a quad flies the best when it's like that cold out because the air is so dense. You know, like oh, it yeah. feels like like it feels like you have a really sharp ice skate or something. Like it just has oh, a bit really more cool. m- bit more to grab onto. But like flying in the mountains is tough because if you're flying up a ridge, there could be no wind. But then you go up, you know, in elevation, and then you try to fly over this like cliff, and there's just a vortex of wind coming over it. So you're like looking all smooth, and you knife edge, and your quads like <laughs> brup, 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 brup. <laughs> but but adaptive and like predictive filtering d- has helped a lot with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the struggle wow. used to be real. Now you make me want to come and visit you guys because it sounds amazing to fly yeah. in these conditions. It's funny that you were saying like people from France, like you say Colorado. I was in Paris like five years ago in line to go to a concert, and this, these kids started talking to me in French, and I was like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't speak French. I'm just visiting from America." And they were like, "Oh, we speak English. Where are you from?" And I was like, "I'm from Colorado." And they were like. Do you know where Boulder, Colorado is? I was like, yeah, it's right where I live. And they're like, yeah, we've heard about that place. And I was like, you guys are Parisians. Like, we've heard about your place. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Colorado. I don't know if it's because it's a lot of, of movies or I don't know why so many French people would know. But when you say Colorado, if you ask people to, French people to say a few states of America, they're going to say Colorado, uh, California, Florida, New York. Connecticut, maybe, because of uh, uh, old, like, uh, TV series happening there, I think. (laughs) Like uh, the house, the little house in the... The house on the prairie. (laughs) The little house on the prairie. Yeah, the little house in the field. (laughs) That must be the Australian version. (laughs) I I don't know. I have the title in French in my head. I just translated it. (laughs) Yeah, so this kind of thing Connecticut and then uh, Texas. And then that's it, basically. We're really bad at naming Yeah, I mean, Texas. Things. You can't forget Texas. That's like half our country, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, it's so big. Yeah. Yeah. And because of, you know, all the TV series again, like Dallas and this kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's why. <laughs> Do you, uh, going back to the FPV stuff, what pilots, like, have you really enjoyed watching or, like, have influenced your style? Whether it's, like, flight style or, like, content creation or... 
Um, yeah, I think you definitely, when you speak about inspiration in FPV, you need to to separate uh, content creation and actual like flying. Flight. Yeah, I agree. For for content and flying together, there are still like people are really like it's um, Snake, not because he's my friend, but I think I really like what he does when he speaks about FPV, and I like Tom Smith as well, and they have like kind of sta- same style of flying. Um, it's funny because the style I liked, uh, I like, I don't really fly like this, <laughs> but, but I still really like what they do. I wish I could fly like them. Like, a, I don't know. It's, it's fast and everything, but it's still a bit art, artistic. I don't know. It's, it's very, well, very nice. And it's so precise, right? They're not like doing crazy corrections. Like, Sna- yes. Snake looks it, like he's like, it, his videos where he tried to guess like which motors and stuff are on each quad, like the blind tests, and he was just uh, getting, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. them all right. I was like, you got you know how to fly, man. Like you're sick. <laughs> yeah. I like how sometimes he does blind blind tests and he he speaks because I I recorded one of, of, of what he he was doing it and he speaks and he's like trying to guess what's happening. But he, if you look at his flying, he's still doing like crazy shit. Yeah, he's, he's just talking through it. He's like you doing yaw spins upside down. He's like that just feels a little weird. I don't know. Yes, I know. Yeah. So him for that and Tom Smith because of his bit craziness and uh you know like the content he was putting was a bit different and and his accent that is different from everything else and and the music he he puts as well in in his videos i really like it so so these two guys for like everything combined but then pure flying i really like schizo like i guess you know everyone yeah (laughs) Um, we should all get (laughs) t-shirts yes just send t-shirts to everyone um yes so schizo and i'm still like i like the old pilots actually i'm old school like uh um, when when he's, they started with Roto Riot, I really liked Chad's style because it was a bit smoother. And um, at the same time, I was really impressed by what Steel was doing. So flying, yeah, on the flying side, I really like these guys. And then content creation, I like Vortex because Detroit is super badass to fly. You know, yeah. like it's they, they break a lot of things. Like I thought Kevin and I were breaking a lot, but they break even even more. <laughs> So, uh, and, and it's normal, you know, they go fly, they destroy the thing, they fix it at night, and then they, after they, they, they fly again. It's, Not it's for impressive. Me. <laughs> yeah, I understand why lots of pilots are good there, you know, Drew and, 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 and then well, Vortex and all the Detroit crew. Yeah, and I think Vortex, like, I don't want to downplay Drew. Like, Drew is smoother, but I think, like, in another year and a half, Vortex is going to be on his own level, yeah. you know, like, because the way he flies those types of bandos is so fast and aggressive and still smooth. Yeah. Like, Ladribs yes. is so, like, yeah. dreamy and cinematic and awesome because he never flinches. But Vortex yeah. is like, yeah, I could power loop backwards through that door and then <laughs> drop in back through that other door, you know? Yes, yes. And he's so chill. Like, he's going to do that and then he's going to land and you do, you have no clue he just did it. And then when you watch the footage at night with him, you're like, you did that? Yeah, like what? <laughs> Why didn't you scream or anything like yeah. that? <laughs> I know. would scream. I would be like, so, oh, my God, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So for him, it's like normal, easy. <laughs> but, yeah, so for content creation, I like watching Vortex. And then other other pilots like Greg Phillips in Australia, he had, like, when he vlogs, I actually enjoy it even more than when he just flies. Yeah, he's on my list and of people to have on the show. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely get him. He's awesome. Yeah. And then a bit of everyone, you know, all your friends. So, um, Tyler's that not everyone knows. Uh, I like what Bot Grinder does, so people know him. But like, I was thinking of, um, Zoro. Uh, he's getting more and more famous, but, but not that much yet, I think. And then Reedy FPV, which is not really well known, <laughs> but I like what he does. This kind of things, you know, for content creation is different when you know the person you want to know what they what they are up to. So yeah, the, and it's sweet yeah. too. Like you were saying, like the, the last guy wasn't well known. It's cool sometimes when you come across a video and you're just like, whoa, that's the first one I've seen in a while. Where you're like, okay, this is different. This is someone I've never heard of, and they're doing it right. Like yes, when I first yes, saw yes. an air blaster video or like a stickman video, I was just like, oh my god. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stickman, yeah. Every time when there's a new video, I think I click straight away. He's probably one of the. I would I would stop everything and just click and and, and yeah. watch. Yeah, and he doesn't have as many. Like I would think that he would be like more famous than FPV with those videos. You know, like he would be raking in the views, but his videos don't have that many views. I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't I don't understand why. Steel, and, share this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he should. <laughs> and and yeah, I don't yeah. He's young actually, I think. Uh Stickman FPV. We yeah. don't really know much about him. We don't. He's, he, very... he's he's in Portugal or Spain or something. I know he's that. very mysterious. Yeah. It's like one of those <laughs> Sherpu guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you on your trip, I mean like so you knew the Australia guys and then you got to ha- hang out with all these people on your USA road trip? Being around all these people, like the steals of the world, did you pick up on a lot of stuff, like to make you better, or like tips and tricks, or like little, you know, little things that only people that do it every day know? Yeah, I don't think if um, when you meet people, pilots like that, I don't think you do it consciously, but you end up like um, being. I call that the FPV sponge. <laughs> so <laughs> if you watch their f- <laughs> if you watch one. their footage, then you are going to to replicate it without noticing, you know, because it's not the same than watching on YouTube. I don't know if it does it to everyone, but to me, it's it's very obvious that if I watch people's flights on YouTube, it's not going to impact my flying or very, very little. Whereas meeting them in real life, watching them flying at a spot and then having the opportunity to fly the same spot, your brain just... I don't know, remember the lines they took a little bit? So it's going to try to follow the same lines or something like this. And you learn more. You learn about things you wouldn't have thought maybe by yourself or you were not ready yet, but then being able to try it now, I don't know, it makes you improve. It it was very obvious with the schizo because we flew with him. We stayed in Atlanta for four days and I think he, he, he came out and flew with us every single day. And And I don't know, I picked up a lot uh, I'm not trying like Skidzo, that's not what I'm saying, but but getting closer to trees, seeing the point of getting closer to trees actually in real life and how scary it is in real life to do it. Because when you watch Skidzo video, it's so relaxing and flowy. You 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 don't realize that in real life when you have when you have the goggles and you watch live and you can hear the like quad in the breathe. background, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so now I was like, I have to breathe because I'm gonna die. I would, yeah, it was scary. Uh, there are only two pilots who do that when I watch uh, their flight uh, to me. Like, I, I want to close my eyes at some point or stop breathing. It's, it's schizo and snake. Snake because it's so fast sometimes I'm, I close my eyes. I'm like, it's, yeah, I'm scared. And schizo, it's more like you're so overwhelmed by the precision and, 
And it's like real life is so much faster. Probably because you hear the quad, you're right. Probably it's because you hear the thing at the same time. Well, and everything looks it's... scarier in FPV goggles, right? You're like, how far is that branch? <laughs> like in the in the GoPro, yeah. it's like obvious that the branch is there. But in the goggles, you're like, I think that's a signpost. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you have to guess. Yes. So. Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, like I say, it's sort of FPV sponge. It's not conscious, but you still pick up on, on a few things. And then seeing, like I said, the Detroit guys breaking a lot, you, you're like, okay, so it's normal to break stuff. Um, I'm not saying we break things with Kevin all the time, but when you fly bandos, you, you, oh, yeah. you're going to break something. Totally. It's yeah. like a whole, we have this one spot, like a bando here that's close to our house and it's, I only go there like once every six months because I've never not destroyed <laughs> something, you know, like just holding like, <laughs> like a carcass of a quad. You're like, well, that was a good day. <laughs> yes. And, yes. and drones don't really die on grass, I've noticed. Like I, I rarely break more than props or like maybe a top plate if I hit really hard at like a park flying yeah. or like in a field or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things I've noticed with breaking stuff um, – uh, it's weird, but curiously, flying in in uh, car parks, so actual covered yeah, um, yeah. parking areas, it's you're gonna slide more than well. Of course, if you go full throttle in a wall, you're gonna explode. But I mean, if you crash and you fall on the on the ground on the floor on the concrete, you're gonna slide and you're less likely to to break something than sometimes when I fly in parks because the grass is a bit high and so you quite get stuck in a weird like way. Like grass, like velcro in. Yeah, like sticks to it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So sometimes people think scary places are like car parks or concrete places. Sometimes it's not that scary, actually. But bendos are different because you try to hit gaps and stuff like that. Yeah. And you have yeah. hooks from... <laughs> yes, I think there's a gap the there. Rooms. Nope. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> Yes, or like uh, Erin Paul, fish feet lady in Detroit. She wanted to hit a gap, but she ended up in a pool full of like nasty water, and you couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, and she went almost in there. She wanted to like go full in there to, to retrieve the quad. Who were like, no, 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 no. She still like went. I go get a I go get a flu shot and come back. <laughs> oh god, yeah. She had a shower and everything, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never flown in a parking garage, but that makes sense. Like, like your angle of impact isn't as high, right? You're like max like three meters off the ground at like the highest point, maybe. Yes. So you're so always like. So comes to us. Yeah. Forward anyway. Well, not really. Some people like they do the, the well. Greg Phillips overflow FPV. He's so impressive in car parks. He's gonna still do the same moves as what he does outside in a park. And I'm like, how does he do that? <laughs> He's like he he doesn't care about the fact that there's concrete walls everywhere and pylons and you know. So it's it's really cool to fly in car parks. It's good for throttle control. Yeah, um, I would say the best. Yeah, when <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neon lights. Yeah. <laughs> I think security cameras. <laughs> yeah, like and for a freestyle aspect, you know, like you were saying, like Greg Phillips flies like that. Sometimes, like it's not easier to fly in places like that, but it gives you more reference points to look at while you're flying. So if you're like doing like yeah. reverse and juicy tricks, then you always you're like, there's the ceiling, there's the ground, there's the, like other posts, and you kind of have more things to relate off of. Whereas if you're trying to do crazy tricks, like through a bando and you can't really see everything all the time like a parking garage yeah. is super predictable yes yeah and it you know it can be at night um, mostly we fly in car parks like at, at night so you have certain areas that are that will be completely dark so you have to learn how to go through that as well it's good for beginners not beginners like full beginners but 
like, like to get better you, once you, you have, started. Yeah. Yes, if you have two months, three months of flying, you can certainly go to car parks and and train there. And if you're not too sure, you can, yeah, there are plenty of car parks and simulators as well, so you can yeah. start with that. Have you but been using the car cool. parks to get like into this racing thing, like to practice that? Because I feel like that would be beneficial. Uh, that would be good, but I haven't, when I did Calpax, it was when I was thinking I was still like too, I was still drifting too much and my, my throttle control would be like not, not on point at all. Yeah. So I went in Calpax to, to have to do, to learn sharp turns and not go like too, Just make too the much box the smaller around you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you have I'm, I'm going to have to turn, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Calpax helped for that, but for racing, yeah, actually, it would be good because um, for the moment when I try to train by myself, I try to have natural obstacles in parks, but it's still not the same than having the actual gates and flags because you can train the whole week on a park. You're going to learn things, but then when you go at the actual track on Sunday, you, you still hit those gates and you're like, oh, God, it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> Even this, yeah I'm sure it's got to be – it's got to be not crazy hard though because like if we look at like the DRL or a lot of good racers, like – like Jordan, Gab, all those guys, Provo, like I would say they're freestyle pilots like first and they're really good at yeah. freestyle. And like I think like it showed back in the day like two years ago when Sean Taylor got really fast and then there was a course with like really weird gates like dive – like the first dive gates. And like Jordan and yeah. everybody were like, yeah, like that's you know what I do on a normal weekend. Because I think yeah. if you, if you yes. can like yeah. – yaw a quad and do a trick and keep a like a tree in the frame and then like flip out of it then like going through a weird gate is not as much of a struggle or that like uh stressful yeah uh, yes but i don't know why racing puts pressure on you <laughs> it just like does your like, first yeah. flight you're shaking and and it's stupid because when you do freestyle some people go as fast doing freestyle and racing maybe not as fast because you wouldn't look good that good but yeah i don't know why the fact you maybe because you know you're you're following the same track as other people you try to it's because you have to hit the gaps you know in freestyle if you miscalculate something you follow another line out of the the obstacle yeah. you're like oh you know what i changed my mind whereas in you know that in racing you have to hit all the gaps yeah. and fast i think that's that's, that's the main uh, source of stress <laughs> what made you decide to want to get into racing um i want to to get more skills so Basically, I was like, if it's that scary to have to hit all the gaps, then I will be even more um, re- relaxed when I fly freestyle, hopefully. That's true. And um, and yet also, I still, to me, I still drift a little bit when I fly. You know, like it's still. I want to reduce the box once again, like yeah. like you said before. I, yeah. I like that. I want to. I want the box to get smaller, and and then just you know, um, being able to fly 45 in, uh, de- uh, degrees for my angle, for my camera angle, trying new things. Fly Flying bottom mount squad, see how it goes, um, and then f- it's yeah, I don't know, new new stuff, new way to approach the hobby. Um, meet new people too, like bre- you're super into that side. Oh of yeah, it. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, meet new people. They're all super cool at the club I, I fly, East Side FPV. It's called here in Melbourne, 
they're super cool guys. They're super supportive. Um, we have two levels. So you have the grade A where all the good pilots are, and then you have grade B where you can take your time to learn. And that would be now me. It's, it's very that would be me. Yeah, I, I'm definitely me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's that, I don't know, it's good. And also, you know, um, when, when you do freestyle, you, you have to think of, oh, which spot am I going to hit today? Uh, oh, this one is not free. You have people there. Whereas with racing, you know, every Sunday, if you want, you can fly. You have a track that is going to be different, but at least you don't have to to invent your lines yeah, you know it's, it's a it's bit so like, much more structured even in like the planning sense everything because i hit that wall with freestyle all the time where i'm like uh, I, fl- I posted two edits from that spot last week i shouldn't go there again <laughs> and like i flew this spot <laughs> yeah. and i don't want to dr- you know like I, and then i'm like all right well i guess i'll just go to my usual park again like <laughs> yes 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 yeah. yes and then you follow the same lines and you feel like oh i'm not learning that much anymore at this spot whereas at the track, it's going to be a different track every Sunday anyway because it's going to be someone else who designs it or the group of people who say, oh, we should put this there. And and uh, the fact that it's structured, like you said, it's relaxing as well. You you, you, you just charge your packs. You go there, and it's easy, nice and easy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and you still fly. The free, Yeah, the first so. thing you get complacent, especially like for – like sometimes I'll be like just out in the woods by myself, and I'll be like, I don't really need to fly another pack. Like – you know, like I can just go home now. Whereas, like with racing, yes. you're like no, I gotta, I gotta do another one. These dudes are fast. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's more, um, yeah, motivating. Yeah, you like a, it's a good, a group uh, motivation um, source, uh, source of motivation. I like that. And I need something different. Um, when I get in, when I got into FPV, it's after meeting some people racing in Darwin in Australia. Actually, that's when I really decided I wanted to do FPV because going through gates and they were going fast and everything. I was like, oh yeah, I want to go fast and everything. And then in, back in the desert, there was no way I could race. We wouldn't just race Kevin and myself. And he was not really into the racing side. So yeah. I did freestyle. So now giving a try to, to racing, I think it's going to be good. And learning new things, you know, I, I struggle doing, cause, you know, in freestyle, I do power loops and stuff like that. They're wide and not, not, um, Tight, fast like a, or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. At the, at the track, you sometimes you have like tri- triple gate or double gates and you have to, I don't know, it's not even power loops cause you keep the gate. Well, you try to because I am not that level yet, but you, you see the gate like all the time and you just roll through it and it's very impressive. Like. Yeah, I just watched Vanover's video where he like beat Minchan Kim, and it looks like his like line is just a curly straw through those gates. Yes, like it's just he yeah, holds one stick input and just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. like full throttle and some of those like DRL is great because it's really easy to watch the way they present it, but you can definitely tell that like the multi GP quads are so fast, like the people are just bringing yeah. them out. Yes, yes, yeah. these guys are impressive. And yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. very impressed. And seeing Wild Willie's um, freestyle, and he's also a good racing pilot. I'm like, yeah, there's definitely something to do in racing. Lots of things to learn again. New people to meet. New adventure. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's curi- I mean, like, you're a great freestyle pilot. So like, there's the curiosity of like, how would I stack up? Like, where do I fall? Like, for me, I've always wanted to go to a race just to see like. You know, am I like at the beginner level of racing? I know I wouldn't be at the top, but I think I would be better than like some local people. I'd just be curious to see oh. like where I fall. At. Yeah. Yes, there, there are things you would definitely find easy already to do. I'm sure because looking at your freestyle, you know, it makes sense. You you, you know how to fly. 
Um, and, and you change rates as well. I changed my rates a little bit. I don't fly high rates in freestyle. I'm around 800, something like this. But for racing, I dropped to 600, I think. How do you and like the feel? I still have it's uh so when they when you race you actually don't notice that much that your rates are lower because it's it's like it's on purpose it's adapted like it's it's made for racing it's made for the track so you don't have time to because it's such tight curves well it's good that you have you know lower rates whereas uh, one day after a session, I forgot my freestyle quad and I, I did freestyle a little bit with my racing quad and I was like, oh, that's so slow. Uh, How yeah. am I going to do that? <laughs> yeah. So that's when you notice. But, um, yeah, it's good to try new rates as well and, and bottom mounted quad. Well, I fly the helix for racing. Um, it was one of my dream quads. I don't know. It's a bit, you know, I know there are other very, very good racing quads, but I always wanted to fly a Helix. I don't know why. And it's, it's super cool to fly bottom mount as well because it's different, different feelings, I think. I'm not too sure I how it, I can I think describe it feels it. different. It, it feels, it feels like it has a pendulum on it a little bit. Like yeah. To me, you know, so like, it turns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like it yes. swings a bit more. And is, and, yeah. and like that's how it, the first time I ever flew a Stretch X too, I was like, oh, I could see why someone would want this for racing. Like it, feels like you have to break it away from a straight line to get it to turn like it's super locked in yes but yes, then i yes. tried to like split s with it or like you know try to do like a yaw spin <laughs> or something and you're like i can't do this oh. yeah. <laughs> it's super hard yeah 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 Yeah. so and everything is a bit different so uh i can compare it like racing it's more like um I, I, i'm gonna try to explain that clearly because it's it's a bit hard for me i used to do karate before in the past so martial art yeah. and you have same again you have two two different types so you have the technique and then you have um, the actual fight against someone so usually in the technique you know the important thing is precision um your like your your hand has to be in this angle and and your your feet has to hit that high it has to be precision and beautiful and things like that and then when it comes to fighting you still use the same move but it has to be faster so but still precise so the lines are a bit shorter and a bit different and i feel like in freestyle and racing it's the same thing like your split s you still do split s but it has a, a, a racing split s has nothing to do with a freestyle split s like the racing one is already you're already splitting in the obstacles and and, and yeah, you're like going, coming over the gate know. already inverted like just waiting for it to yes. be open again so you can go back through it exactly yeah you, you, and, and i think the, the the way you have to anticipate things um is going to help you later in freestyle as well you're gonna because i think for my level in freestyle at the moment i still need that uh, feeling of anticipating things because I'm still surprised by obstacles. Yeah. And I'm like, in, with doing racing, uh, racing uh, is going to be maybe helpful in that sense as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think it'll just slow down the world for you in freestyle. Like, you'll be able to, like, making decisions at race speed will make making decisions at freestyle speed just seem a little easier, I think. You know, like, yeah. you'll be like, like floating yeah. over the top of a tree is going to seem like 10 seconds. You know, yeah. like, you'll be like, where do I go next? And, like, for me, I, like, I use float in freestyle all the time. Like, I'm like, I don't know what gap to go to. I'm just going to, like, go up and invert and make it look good. And then when I'm up there, I can, like, you know, pick which yes. tree I want to go yeah. around and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and even watching some freestyle by the racing pilot here, because they do both, most of them, um, you can see that because they started with racing, 
um, their freestyle is different. It's it's more there's more special awareness already than than pilots who would have flown the same um, the same time, let's say period of time. I don't know. It's it's different, and and I hope it's yeah. I don't know. It's a good combination, and I'm glad the two disciplines exist in in a Yeah, cool. I can't wait till the races are like more three dimensional. You know, like down a down oh, a mountain yeah. or like a cliff or like have gates like that. That would be sweet. Yeah. I mean, like DR1 started to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like DR1 started to do it with their stuff, but that's you know like only 16 people in the world got to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's super hard. Yeah. Well, you you have to organize one in Colorado and invite all the good racers and yeah, <laughs> for like an epic one way sprint race, like two miles down a mountain. That'd be so cool. Uh, what oh, you, yeah, what's, yeah. what's your setup for your freestyle rig? Um, so for freestyle, I fly the the Chameleon Ti um, okay. by Armaton. So I used to have uh, the the original Chameleon, and and then I got the Rooster when it went out, and now I have the Chameleon Ti because I like uh, unibodies. I think definitely for freestyle because you can afford a very thick bottom uh, plate, you know, because you're going to save some screws anyway uh, yeah. where the arms are supposed to come. So the weight is not that different. I, I even think the Caminion TI is actually lighter than the Rooster. And so it's thicker. It, you really have to commit to break it, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, they have I a never, lifetime warranty too. Like that says one oh, thing. Yeah. Yes. Like, so, so this, the titanium cage, because I'm not lucky with FPV camera every time I don't have like, let's say at least aluminum cage, I break my FPV cameras all the time. Uh, I have, well, not all the time, but too often. Yeah. <laughs> so, enough that I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I have, uh, this frame. I have the Mr. Steel V2s as, um, motors because I'm really happy with them. You know, it's, it's good motors. Um, I never flew the V1. I, I flew the V1 on his squad. Um, so it was okay, but they were already, you know, his motors, they were a bit old. Um, but my V2 is brand new. Usually I'm pretty happy about them. And then it's KISS setup. So I had, well, I had one that just died. Like oh, it's no. um, KISS V1. KISS V1. And uh, I think it was one of my first KISS squads. And I think it just was too much like US road trip, France, Europe, and then back to Australia. Then he was like, "Bye, yeah, <laughs> bye, Felicia." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it died. So Kiss set up. Um, so now I have only V2s and and the new ESCs. Uh, well, the 32 bits. Um, They're amazing. I have unified. Oh yeah, I don't fly Kiss. I fly Flight One, but I built a Kiss rig this summer just to see. And like yeah. the new board with the new ESCs, like out of the box, it was, and it was the easiest to get flying perfect. Like I made like three yes. changes and I'm like, this is still almost a stock tune, I feel like, and it flies amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Kiss has such a feeling. A lot of people ask, oh yeah, but you never explain why Kiss is better. It's hard to say. So I'm like, if you want, uh, try to find someone who flies Kiss and fly their quad and you will know. What, what we're talking about. I'd like to try flight one as well. I, I never did. Kevin had a quad on, well, what was called race flight at that time. And he was like, oh, I love it. But then he had downsides and he was like, it's not worth. And then he tried my kiss quad. He was like, oh, that's a good compromise, compromise. But he's still in, he's still in love with like, um, <laughs> flight one. <laughs> well, the old, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like one I, because he, he should. I like to try them all. You know, like I, 
everybody yeah. I know is like hardcore about what they fly, and like Jordan and I talked about this on the last episode. But like, I still like I still like trying the latest Beta Flight and Butterflight, and like seeing what yeah. when Kiss came out with new product because it really is, you know, like. Would you hate on someone because they had different skateboard wheels? Like, would you really be like, you suck? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely not. And, and uh, yeah, also going to racing, I'm on better flight for racing. So this is why I wanted to go back to racing. I was like, oh, okay. everyone told me, oh, better flight is good now. So, But for racing, you don't really have the time to notice. So I will do some freestyle with my racing quad, see how it goes. But yeah, on, on freestyle and then, you know, the usual, um, well, actually I, I changed, I don't have the Swift 2 anymore. I have a Foxy of Falker now. How do you like it? Which, that, this which, is a huge topic of debate for me. How do you like it compared to the Swift 2? Well, it's, so there, there are two things. I really like the image and everything. Uh, the thing is with the, my Swift 2, I had a, a 2.5 lens that I never changed before. And, uh, and with the Falco, I have 1.8. So all well, these welcome. colors and sharpness. <laughs> welcome to the, yeah. <laughs> to the world, you know. Yes, yes. So yeah, I have, uh, the, this Falco with all this sharpness and the colors and everything and this huge lens now. So it's like, wow, the world is beautiful, you know compared with the Swift 2, but I still think, I'm not sure, I need to, well, now my my quad with the Swift 2 died, so I will put this Swift on another one probably, but I still think there's a small delay, <laughs> I don't know if it's in my head or not, with the Falco, which is not a problem for freestyle at all, because then you get used to it. If you fly the Falco yeah. all the time, you will just adapt to it. But when I, uh, I had to stop using the Falco, would go back to the Swift, I would be like, there's something different. It's like it happens faster to me. Things happen faster to me. So that's the main difference I notice. I don't know if it's just me. Um, I don't know if it, I know because it's CMOS and the other one was CCD. I don't know if it's my head, but that's the main difference I see. But I really like the Falco. Uh, I think I'm going to keep it for a while. Yeah, I saw some of like, the pictures of like the image, and it looked amazing. But I was, you know, I'd rather hear it from someone yeah. than read about it on Rotor Riot. Facebook group. Uh, yes, yes. More, <laughs> more trust. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm, I'm not into changing stuff a lot. Um, I'm not into trying the latest things. So this is why I had the Swift 2 for so long. And um, I was already tempted to use the Predator when it went out, when it came out, because I saw it on Chad Squad. And everyone, I was not doing it on purpose. I would watch people's flight. I was like, wow, what's the camera you have? And every time they would say the Predator, I was like, oh, okay, so maybe I should. But I didn't because I don't like changes. And then I saw the Falcor and I was like, yeah, okay. okay I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. Like, I won't change anything until the margin of, like, improvement is big enough where I'm like, okay. That's worth yes. me maybe soldering on a new connector and, like, setting up another <laughs> OSD. I, I might be able to deal with that for this. Yes. Do you yes. feel like that's something you learn? Like, is that how you always were? Or, like, did that come from, like, hanging out with, like, Steel and Snake? Because those guys are, like, religious about having unchanged setups. Yeah, like almost a bit too much, but yeah, yeah, it's, um, no, it, I was a bit like this first because I didn't have the choice because Kevin, uh, would give me all his old parts to build my quads. That's what I do to Brandy <laughs> all the time. He, <laughs> yeah, so he, he had bought always the same stuff because he had like two similar quads. So first I didn't really choose. Then I got lucky. I got sponsored by Armaton. So it was full Armaton setup with the motors, with the electronics on Betterflight. So I 
every time I would build a new quad, it would be the same setup for yep. a certain amount of time. And then when I got a bit more freedom, when I wanted to try, you know, the V2s, the steel V2s, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stick like to, to this, this way of thinking, not change too much. And also I'm lazy, so, you know, I don't have to think, oh, where's this wire gonna go now? <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you get know, so kind of used thing. to building the same quad that you, like, you know, or if you have to like swap a VTX or a cam, it's like five minutes, not even. Yes, exactly. And then uh, I started listening to ethics advice, and I was like, oh, that's cool. These guys, they, they think like that. This is what I do already. I'm just going to keep doing it. And, yeah, I'm yeah. tempted. I'm like everyone, you know, when there's something new, you want to you wanna try it. But I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait, <laughs> you know, let's, let's wait. Yeah, yeah, I have, like, a rig that I, have, that I like, put stuff to try on. But then I have, like, my two that I take. Those are like the ones I actually fly, but then I have one where I can like be like, oh, I'll try these motors, and it's pretty much like yeah. my other setup, so I have a good baseline to test it against. But like for me, yeah. I build two new quads every six months, and usually one part changes, like at a time. Yes, so like exactly. new motors, yeah. everything else stays the same. Next time it'll be new flight controller ESC, but the motors stay the same, and just kind of go yeah. down the line like that. Yeah. Yeah, like the main change I brought to my quad, uh, let's say in six months, well, the previous six months, uh, I just changed my motors to the Mr. Steel and I put Crossfire in there. Oh, and yeah. then the new changes from the past six months, the, the new change that I did is just putting the Falcor in it. That's the only thing that yeah. changed. Do you, and so. then do you, so you run Crossfire and then do you run TBS Unify for VTX? Yeah, yeah, I put uh, the HV usually. Uh, because um, I I think you know I, I I can see the point of having a five volt in there, but I still feel like more safe with the HV for some reason, and I can just solder it. Yeah, I like want you wire if, like I yeah like I have really yeah. tight small frames that I can't fit a lot of stuff into, and so like I'd rather be able to wire yeah. it from any side of the ESC, just pull power somewhere. Yeah. I totally agree. Exactly. Are you, are you yes. sponsored by TBS? Yes, yes. Super cool. But uh, I I started with TBS almost straight away. I had um I had some other stuff um like let's say for Unify I had other brands. I had the first thing that Kevin had in his squad. I don't even remember the name. Then I had the Tramp, um, and in the desert. I don't think Tramp are suitable. I know Chad Nowak doesn't agree with me, but I don't I think, think we all Tramp know that. Are, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I uh, I I think where I was living, maybe we we were just not lucky, but we went through too many tramps, I would say. And I just said, but uh, when when I finish all my tramps, I will just switch to the Unify to see. And with the Unify, I've to be honest, I've never had an issue. I'm really like I, I'm really um, ADD in general, you know, like attention deficit disorder. So when I started uh, FPV, I would forget to put my my antenna on the VTX all the time because, you know, and I never fried a Unify forgetting the antenna. This is all these little things, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I that like. adds up yeah. though, right? Like you say, you, you don't fry yes. one VTX and you got 50 bucks in your pocket. Yes, the other day a friend be, wired uh, Unify the wrong way. Like he he added the you know the, there's a five volt output or something. Yeah, like for this. your they, cam. They, they yeah. Have, yeah, it's for your camera, and he wired it the wrong way, um, and then it means the the voltage the is coming in. Yeah. Yes, 
and it's it still it's still alive. The VTX didn't die. Um, all these kind of things. The fact that you can plug it straight to some next to someone and and it's still okay. You know, I wouldn't recommend to do that. But if you forget to unplug or anything like that. You, you don't disturb other people's feet as much as with other VTXs. Yeah, I would totally agree. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I really like giving options to people, especially since I work in a hobby shop. I don't like being just, you know, one way and that's it. I like when people can have the choice. But uh, VTXs at the moment, what I sell at the hobby shop um, is still only TBS for the moment because I don't want people to come back and complain, you know, about things, and also yeah. I know TBS uh, TBS aftermarket service is really reliable and professional. So, and it's yeah. trappy, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's trappy. <laughs> the dude's a G, and he got into it from flying, which like a lot of people that have companies that big aren't like still pilots. I think like he's still yeah. in the community, you know. Yeah. Yes, he's still there. And, and he and, just and he doesn't care. Like he, like I think that dude would say yeah. "fuck you" to anybody if he had to. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit scary sometimes, yeah. but yes. Now, what I think is if you're a sponsored pilot, it means you agree with the products. You know, you, some people in, well, I don't know if it's like this, but uh, last year or a couple of years ago, people were thinking sponsored pilot was just flying things because they were sponsored and it was easy. But at the end of the day, if you enjoy flying, you're not going to fly things you don't agree with because if it's actually faulty and you just fly because it's free, um, you know, it's stupid because you don't have the best experience ever. So I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think you're yeah. right about every part of that. Like, in t- like I was one of those people, like I like hopped on the first sponsorship that got offered to me and it didn't really like change my life or mean anything. And after yeah. that, I was like, I'm not going to say yes to a sponsor unless it's – like, Steel was a huge influence in that sense. Like, he was like, I'm only going to be sponsored by the companies I already fly. And I looked at it in yeah. the same way. I was like, you know, like, if I had to, I can afford to f- pay for this hobby. Like, it's not – I'm not going to not fly if I don't get discounted or free parts. So I might as well exactly. fly the stuff yeah. I really like. And I think people overlook that, like – if you have a really dialed setup that's like tuned well and you understand it, then you just remove it from the equation of progression and you can just focus on flying. You know, like it's yeah. hard it's hard for me to get better as a pilot if I have like a bent motor or a weird vibration because I think about it when I'm flying. But if I have gear that yes. is predictable, then it's like easy for me to just focus on where I'm ending my yaw spin or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's it's what um there was something that um, upset me a few a few weeks ago when I was trying to make video content for ethics, and maybe I approached it the wrong way. I still don't know what they were expecting uh, from me, you know, trying to, I don't know, to, to help ethics grow and things like this. And I did a video where I got a bit of criticized, uh, criticism towards me. They were saying, oh, you're trying to sell things to me. And I took it like super wrong. Maybe I overreacted actually a little bit, but I, uh, it really hurt, it hurt me because I'm someone who really don't care about sponsorship, to be honest. Like, uh, it's, I'm glad I have support and I'm super happy and I try to give it back as much as possible to my sponsors. But if I didn't have sponsors, it wouldn't matter. Um, uh, I don't think being sponsored means you're better pilot anyway. You know, it's just different aspects of the hobby that uh, you have to take into account. But when people said I was just trying to sell things to them and they, and it was I was saying wrong things because what I fly. You should have been like, yeah, is, here's a link. Go get one. 
<laughs> so yeah, in a way they were criticizing my setup. I took it super wrong because my quads are like my babies and I really like them and I, I have trust in them and I would recommend anyone to fly the same set, setup just because I love my quads. And, and so yeah, you can be sponsored. Yes, like you said, but you would never fly something you don't have faith in because it's still like 600 Seven hundred, eight hundred dollars you put in the air. So if you don't trust it, well, you're gonna have problems <laughs> and budget problems. <laughs> Take this van good quad over the ocean with your GoPro on it. Like that would stress me out. Yes, uh, I'm slowly doing that. I'm I'm a chicken a little bit, so I'm slowly doing like mid range. I'm gonna do long range hopefully by the end of the, the year. But yeah, Dude, flying, scared to fly flying over water is always scary. Well, because, like, even, yes. like, in the mountains, if we fly long range, at least I can, like, DVR, and, yeah, it might take me, like, a week to find it, but, like, I will get it back, you know? Like, it's somewhere on that <laughs> mountain. But in the ocean, it's, like, the day I met yeah. Trappy, actually, in Hawaii, we had the old QQ-190 uh, prototype. I don't know if you remember the TBS QQ-190, like, ready to fly that came a out. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But my coworker dumped it in the ocean on like its second flight and that was the first time I saw a quad go away and I was like, Well, take the goggles off. That's <laughs> it. that's all you can do. Yes. Uh you probably oh, gotta go God. to work here soon, huh? Yeah, I uh, it's seven thirty five. I didn't see the time go. Like it's super cool to to speak with you. It's yeah. super interesting. Well, let's, best, uh best way to wake up. <laughs> yeah, I still can't believe how early it is. Well let's wrap it up here. So shout outs for you, like speaking of sponsors. Who are uh, speaking of sponsors, well, um, uh, well, we said TBS, we said Armaton. Uh, I really like uh, I fly HQ props. Let's say I don't know if I'm sponsored, but if I ask Zong sometimes, because uh, I buy my props too. But if I ask him, hey, can you send me a couple of things? Or so he does. He's sponsoring both now at the moment, freestyle and racing. Um, Ethics is part of my sponsors, kind of. I'm like. I'm one of the pilots, um, even though I'm not involved as much in their content creation at the moment. And uh, CNHL for batteries, um, because uh, they're pretty cool guys. I think um, the way they approach um, the hobby is pretty cool as well. They try to help a lot. And, and the batteries are good quality for the price. And they don't puff. I don't like puffing batteries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're really cool batteries. They're powerful. Uh, the C-rate is very cool, too. Um, and that's it. I think that's pretty much my sponsors. That's a good stack, so though. Showed out to them. Yeah, those are yeah. some, good, those are some yeah. good, good companies. <laughs> I have support from uh, KISS as well, but I try not to ask too much. I don't like asking too much. So if I, let's say, if I really want to get into something new or if I have to redo a lot of quads, I will ask uh, Paul from Kiss to um, send help me, so he sends me whatever he wants, and I just buy the rest. Or sometimes I don't have to buy everything. So Kiss as well. Let's not forget Kiss. Yeah, Kiss is dope. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for getting up early. It was awesome. Uh, before I forget, Brandy uh, says hey. She had to go to work already, <laughs> but Brandy says hey. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's super cool. I really like Brandy too. She's awesome. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thanks. You're the perfect FPV couple. <laughs> Whatever you guys are too. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Uh, good luck at work, and I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Talk soon, and have a good uh, afternoon.